What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. Each episode on here will feature leaders in the digital space to help entrepreneurs grow their knowledge and understanding of the Amazon and e-commerce world. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? Thanks for joining us again for Crossover Commerce. My name is Ryan Kramer. I'm the Affiliate Marketing Manager here at Ping Pong Payments. Uh, today, I have a, all, a very special guest with me. I have the CEO and co-founder of PicFu, Justin Chen. Uh, Justin was kind enough to join me today and talk, talk a little bit about e-commerce, but I want to kind of like pull back the curtain a little bit about what they actually do, not just e-commerce work, but more about Justin's background, um, how he kind of came into the space as a, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, and also just kind of what he's doing to kind of innovate in the space. So Justin, welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Yeah, no problem. So Justin, yeah, for people who don't know like who you are, like what makes, who, who is Justin Chen? Like, who are you? Like, what's your background? Like, how do you, how do you get to today's, uh, where you are today sitting here in a pandemic? <laughs> yeah, sure. So, uh, I'm a computer science engineer by trade. Uh, so my partner, John and I both, uh, we met at Berkeley actually, uh, doing computer science there. And, um, uh, entrepreneur for, let's see, how many years has it been? 14 years. Uh, oh. So it's been pretty long, uh, getting pretty old. But uh, <laughs> I started uh, working on a different business uh, back in 2006, and we've been working together kind of ever since. Um, and we built PicFu along the way, just kind of out of our own need. And so we've, you know, we've always tried to have a, a, a bunch of you know, small businesses that we can call our own. And this was kind of one of the ones that, uh, that we built. That's awesome. So what, um, I guess like taking you guys back to Berkeley, that's kind of where yeah. you guys met. What yeah. is, what was that conversation? Like, are you, are you saying like you saw a need or it just kind of like happened to fall in your lap? What, what did that look like? Because I'm curious, I, I haven't heard that story yet. From Yeah. Me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we had, uh, been friends in college and we had worked on a bunch of different projects together. And so, we always wanted to do something together, but um, when we finished college, the timing wasn't right, actually. So uh, the dot-com crash had happened, and so we oh, both no. separate ways. So I went to HP, and he went to Microsoft. We essentially went to the largest tech company. Okay. Not a bad, not a bad uh, golden parachute there. <laughs> yeah. So, so we kind of played it safe for a few years and, you know, just kind of did the big corporate thing for a while. Sure. Um, but we kept talking about, like, things that we could do and just kept the conversation going. Um, so probably, uh, so when it was around 2006, we, we decided to meet up, uh, John was in Seattle at the time at Microsoft and I was in Chicago and we just, we met up over, I think the three day weekend in January, I always forget which one it is. Um, but, uh, we, we met up and we decided that weekend to, to do something. And so we quit like the following Tuesday and, uh, we didn't necessarily have like Oh, this is the idea we have to have. But what we did was we we did this whole ideation thing. So we spent the entire weekend just ideating different uh, types of businesses, and it was like websites, restaurants, like literally anything. Like, <laughs> yeah, just made a list of things. You're like, we could do things for these things. Yeah, and it was like we could run anything, right? Like we just wanted to run a business. The whole point was to learn, uh, kind of get like that real life MBA, so to speak. And mm -hmm. so we just wanted to uh, to do something and. Uh, one of the ideas was a restaurant review website, which we uh, decided to work on. That's called Menuism, and it's a restaurant review menu aggregator. And so we uh, that's what we started working on in 2006. And 
you know, we actually didn't know that much about building websites, despite being a computer science engineer. So, so, you know, we went to Barnes and Noble, like picked up some dummies books and just like, <laughs> and it the was the pre YouTube, the pre YouTube uh, yeah. lookup things in their actual book. Right. Yeah. We were <laughs> like sitting on the floor in Barnes and Noble's, like reading the tutorials, like trying to figure everything out. But uh, yeah, that was it. Was a lot of fun. Um, we we grinded at that for a couple of years, and uh, yeah, it's, we we self funded it and grew it. Menuism, uh, it's still it's still alive today. It's allowed us to have our lifestyle for the past fourteen years. It's helped fund uh, Pick Foods development as well. So, um, you know, definitely grateful for for that experience. Wow, that's awesome! I did not yeah. know that. So, is that something that's a functionality of a different company, or is that something that you guys are still? operating running well, yeah it? it's uh, it's owned under a different llc it's still just uh me and john um but it's still kind of on autopilot today like running itself um it's it was a lot of search-based traffic a lot of google organic seo um and then adver advertising based revenue that's awesome i didn't yeah. know that i mean that's super cool like that you have developed something and that's kind of i think what every entrepreneur wants to do is not just necessarily have easy money but that's certainly something that you can pat yourself yeah. on the back and and say, hey, we we can do this to fund other opportunities and yeah, uh, ventures yeah. too. And that was kind of like our our whole goal in the beginning. Like we we named our company Two Bit Operation, and what we wanted was uh, kind of you know there's two of us, and we want to run a few uh, a portfolio of a few of these kinds of different businesses. And so Menuism was our first one, and we anticipated growing other ones. Um, and so Pickfu actually came along not too far into that journey. I think the initial idea was in 2008, actually. And mm -hmm. uh, we were working on a redesign for, for menuism and we just got stuck on design variations. You thought, one, you, want, you thought one thing and John yep. thought the other and yeah, exactly. we heads. That's exactly where it came from. I think it was a Thanksgiving weekend and uh, I think we had it whipped up within a week. The other reason we built it was as entrepreneurs, like you, you get in the, the mode of asking your friends and family a lot for stuff. And we kind Definitely. of exhausted all of that capital <laughs> Yeah, on menuism, like they just got sick of it. It's like, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Can you sign up for this? Can you try this? And at a certain point, your friends or family are just like, they don't even respond anymore. Or they're just like, whatever you think is best. Like, it, it's just not helpful at a certain point. Oh my gosh, I can imagine. I mean, that makes sense too, because I, I've totally been there with like, hey, reaching out for fundraisers or, you know, what, what do you think about this? And some, yeah. At some point, people are tapped out of like, hey, my, my opinion is only my opinion. Like, it's not a, don't build yeah. a business around it. But no, it's cool. Like, that may... I mean, that's a natural problem in the real world that you guys solved with the help of your family, <laughs> of them saying no to you. <laughs> yeah, so we're like, all right, fine. We're just going to find randos on the internet and they're going to they're gonna do it for us. And that's kind of where PickFu came from okay. is uh, we needed this desire to kind of have that virtual coffee shop to go ask people stuff, right? So sure. um, that's where, that's what happened. We, we threw it up on the internet and, you know, some people started paying for it. But, you know, we we actually pivoted back to focus 100% on menuism for the next several years, actually. And so Pifu just kind of sat there on its own. Um, and it really wasn't until like five, six years ago that we uh, turned our attention back to Pifu because it started growing on its own. And we just saw that it was getting traction and people were really into like validating their ideas with data. Um and so that's when we uh, we shifted our our time from menuism over to Pickfu, and you know just really flushed out the whole business. So I have a question: Why do you why do you think that happened five or six years ago? What what in the space that you guys operate in? And for everyone who's 
you know, who doesn't know you guys don't just operate in e-commerce. You you operate yeah. in many different verticals, which we can obviously get into. What do you yeah. think that was that, that turning point that people needed you guys? Yeah. So I'll, I'll take a step back. And so, so pick is like a, it's a really simple way to survey uh, people. And we have a panel of people that we reach out to, to pay, to respond to these uh, short surveys. And they're a single question with one to eight different options. So, you know, if you're asking about what logo or what, you know, um, company name or whatever, you can put it up there, people will vote on it and then they'll give a written explanation why. So that's kind of what it is. Uh, when we launched it, we launched it to the startup community. We launched it to entrepreneurs like ourselves. Obviously we, we assumed that if we, it worked for us, it would work for any other entrepreneur. Um, so that's, that's kind of where it was marinating in the very beginning. Um, we got a, a, a blog post from uh, the founder of duck.go, which was a, a much smaller startup back then. And right. he, he was talking about how he used it and, 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 and so on. And so that kind of gave us credibility in the startup space. Um, and I think it started picking up because that whole lean startup movement, if, if you follow what's going on in tech, like years ago, there was like this thing called lean startup movement and, uh, uh, MVPs, uh, minimal viable products, and just just kind of validating ideas with mm -hmm. data, ideally customer data, but um, kind of any validation you could do before taking it to the next step is is kind of the process that you want to do. You want to iterate things um, uh, very quickly. So I think that's when it started picking up. We started seeing um, like hackathons and startup weekends using it. And yeah. so uh, that was actually one of our earliest marketing strategies was partnering with those kinds of uh, weekend hackathons to give away PickFu Pulse so that other entrepreneurs could use it. And that kind of seeded into their toolbox, right? Like, oh, cool. Now I used it for, you know, I won the hackathon because PickFu helped me validate my idea. Like, I'm going to remember this and use it in my business later on. That's so, awesome. uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where we originated was kind of in the, in the startup entrepreneur space. Um the next segment was interesting and it kind of fell in our lap as well was uh, self-publishing authors. Right. And they were testing book titles and book covers. And that was actually that were I think that came from Tim Ferriss in the four hour work week. And he was actually pretty public about how he used Google ads to test his book titles. And um, he talked about how the title that he thought was going to win didn't end up winning. And he went with the one that the data validated. And so I think, that proof point was like, okay, like maybe, you know, authors and editors and publishers should use data to actually decide on something that you're going to print, literally print, and you can't live, right? Like you're going to ship. No edits. Exactly. No edits. Like you can't, you can't test this live. So it's a significant decision that most of the times there's no data on this. And it's usually just the editor or the publisher. If you're lucky that they, they've got some industry expertise, if you're a self-publishing author, you've got none of that and you're just like oh i love this title so that's what i'm gonna go with right so my mom said it was nice and uh she liked it so exactly that's what, that's what the name is <laughs> so uh so that actually worked really well because i think that resonated um uh, perfectly for authors who just wanted to increase their chance of success in, in any kind of way and we actually had an author uh that's on our uh, a case study on our blog where he uh he came to us because he had a book cover he was working with a publisher and he thought his book cover was going to win. Like he really thought his book cover was better. And so he, he wanted to use pick food to prove them wrong. And so he kept trying, like he, he, he tested his cover against theirs and it lost. And then he had his designer change it up and then it lost and then it lost. And 
in the end, he's like, okay, fine. Like the, the publisher won. Like, I'm just going to use their cover. Like it was truth, truthfully, it, the publisher did have the better cover and uh, it went on to become a New York times bestseller. And he was completely happy with it because it was validated before. And it, you know, he came to be at peace with the decision. That's one of those things you're like, I'm happy to be wrong. That's what you yeah. tell yourself. And everyone wins in this case. That's so cool. I mean, so are you guys still, what, what's kind of the focus in the publishing publishing space now? Is that a lot like PickView is basically the name to go to when it comes to crowdsourcing this kind of topic? What, what's kind of your, your push in that space? Yeah, so we do have a pretty good reputation in the self-publishing author space. Uh, a lot of uh, book marketing uh you know, blogs and consultants recommend us for uh, testing titles and covers specifically. Um, and then we are looking to expand more into the publishing side. We have some uh, smaller publishers that use us to test like their, you know, library of different covers. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of where we are on the publishing side. Um, kind of along the way, we discovered e-commerce and that's, <laughs> that's kind of how we are here right now with you. Um, we had some sellers start using us. And then I think Manny mentioned us first on the AMPM podcast uh, okay. a couple of years ago. And that's, that's kind of when it, you know, opened the floodgates for sellers starting to use it and, and us realizing that this was an in interesting new market for us to go into. Sure. And for those who don't know who Manny is, Manny Coates, I'm assuming Manny Coates, the yeah. co-founder of Helium 10. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, so, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So just for all those who are listening, who, who don't know who Manny is on a first name basis. No, that's, that's super <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> no, no, no problem. So that's no, really cool. And like you said, it's not just falling into your lap. You're proving yourself in different spaces. And then that kind of just naturally those introductions happen. What, how did that, like, how did you feel in those? Because you started going down all these different paths. You started to say, Hey, this is a viable business model. What do we do? <laughs> is it yeah. is it something like you're like we can't take on more verticals because that would just spread us too thin? What was that conversation like with you know you and John? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because as we go into all these different segments, uh, the the customer profiles are definitely very different, right? They're um, with authors, they're more individual uh, customers as opposed to larger. We don't have you know the larger publishers as much. Uh, E-commerce is interesting because it's a mix of individuals. Like we have a lot of individual sellers who are doing things like FBA, but we also have, um, you know, product managers or marketing managers at large corporations who are selling as well that are using it. So it's, it's kind of a mix. Um, so it's definitely difficult to decide as a small company ourselves, which one to go into. We obviously can't go into every single segment. Right. Um, for now, we've decided to focus a lot of our effort onto e-commerce just because not only is the space growing massively, but I think the use case resonates with this customer base uh, more directly and more frequently. So I think uh, a lot of the decisions that they're making, obviously, throughout the product lifecycle of product design or uh, color variations, what, what are you going to stock for your inventory, all the way down to listing optimization around images and titles and descriptions, like all of that would benefit from from data, data-driven decisions. Right. Uh, so it, it makes a lot of sense for every single every single product you're doing. And if you're selling multiple products, like that that can happen a lot of different times. Um, whereas with authors, like they're kind of only publishing a book if they're prolific once a year. Uh, right. And once every few years. How often are they doing that? That makes, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so that, that's kind of how we decided to focus a little bit less on, on the publishing side and a little bit more on e-commerce. 
Um, and that's kind of how we evaluate customer segments going forward, right? It's like we we try to understand the customer persona and like where where does PickFu fit into their uh, you know day to day need, and is it something that can really be integrated into their process? Right. So what what's the most interesting thing since you are focusing in e-commerce as a, a subset of what you guys do? What's the yeah. most interesting thing that you guys have learned that you didn't you didn't actually think that you would you would see from um, you know see PickFu kind of solution or a solution to that problem? Yeah, I mean, well, we see PickFu uh, used a lot of different ways, uh, and what's great about uh, is we learn we learn from them how 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 we should market it. Essentially, actually, right. So, you know, when when we started PickFu, like it was more around iterating. Um, on different variations. So like, let's say two different logos or, or three different like website designs. I think the interesting thing that we see now is people doing more competitive testing. So um, not necessarily just testing two design variations that they're working on, but testing their new variation against like their category leaders, whether it's in like the Amazon shop mock-up, or this could be in an app store for a game company, but just doing competitive testing because that's really something that is harder to do live and then to mm-hmm. actually get written feedback about, oh, I really like, you know, the, you know, option B, which might be a competitor for these reasons. And then that's giving you competitive insight that you can use to not only change the product, but also change the packaging or the branding or whatever it is. Do you, do you ask uh, specifically when these, when these surveys are happening, what reasons they're using, uh, using you guys for? Uh, is is that a part of the requirement that you guys ask, or do you have insight onto that? Why the customers or the respondents? Or I would say the customers. So are you getting that from the customers? Like, hey, I'm actually using this for a competitive analysis, or I'm oh, using yeah, this yeah. for. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so, so I mean, it's not part of the uh, polling process, but we, right. we talk to our customers uh, very frequently, and and we always say that you know we always we always advise that our customers talk to their potential customers and we do the same. So uh, we reach out to our customers uh, very frequently and have conversations about, you know, how we can help them and also like help us better understand how they're using it now so that we can, you know, better tailor the product to them. Right. No, it makes sense. So when you're building out a company such as you guys, you want lots of different opinions. You want lots of people to respond to you guys as quickly as possible. That's probably key. I think that's one of the key metrics that you guys base everything off of is quick, responsive, polling what is how do you how do you find people that are willing to you know give content give their expertise or give their opinion as often as they do what's kind of that recruitment process look like yeah so we work with other panel services to reach uh reach our respondents so we're not directly recruiting to um to pick food so to speak Mm -hmm. but we work with third parties who are are reaching people who want to do surveys and get paid for them and so uh, we work with them to uh, source the respondents, and then we layer on top of that, like our own uh, database of uh, their history of responses and their demographic information, and right. we have our own quality scoring. So, you know, the benefit of having the written explanations that we can uh, see how how genuine we feel their responses are, and what we do is we feed that through like our machine learning uh, service to to see like, okay, are they, are they, it scores it basically like on, on how well they, they wrote the answer. And then we also have uh, someone on our team to just human uh, curate 
the respondents as well. So like if someone's not scoring well, like we can block them or, or we can give them bonuses and all that kind of stuff. So we really try to keep the quality bar high, even though we are working with third parties to reach the respondents. It's really cool. So how many, how many respondents do you guys work with on a day-to-day -day basis? What's that number for you guys right now? Yeah. Uh, on a rolling window, it's probably like, like 10,000, 10,000 okay. plus are active in the U S right now. Um, we're actively working to, uh, bring on new panel sources to not only expand that in the U S but also internationally. Okay. I was going to say, is that something that you guys wanted to really hone in on from the get go is have us, uh, marketplace locked in and then spread it internationally. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously like we wanted to focus on the U S just because that's where we are and where most of our customers are. Um, we've obviously had a lot of requests for international for a very long time. Um, but yeah, we're, we're actively, Hold off everyone. they're coming. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're actively in conversations to, to bring those uh, additional panel sources on, uh, to reach international. That's so cool. I mean, so what, what do you think people, um, I would say what's the funnest interaction that you have with, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis? Is that e-commerce or is that more, I mean, I guess we can go to gaming because we were talking before this, that's kind of a, a unique vertical that is yeah. kind of different and unique. Uh, in its own right, uh, well, what's kind of that like passion project for you right now as a as a founder, yeah. co-CEO? What, what, what's kind of that right now for you? I mean, I, I think they're all interesting because they're what, what's cool is that the, the stories are very similar. It's always like what, what I told you before, like they, they come to us and they say the thing that I thought was going to win didn't win. So that's what's fun right. here. Um, then it's really neat to see them run the tests and then have that stuff go live, right? Whether it's a book. Uh, we just had another case study where we, you know, the guy ran a bunch of polls, he published a book and, you know, he's super happy with it, right? It's doing well. Um, or a product, right? Like uh, someone came to us at a conference and said that they were selling uh, diary notebooks and they couldn't decide which colors to sell. So they used PicFu and it, you know, they boiled it down to just a handful of colors and uh, sold out immediately. So like, that's awesome, right? Like that was spot on. Um, so those are the, those are the stories that, that keep us going. That's why PicFu is so fun because we know that these, uh, this data is helping them make the right decisions. Um, on the gaming side. Yeah. Like you mentioned, we, we have some of the largest mobile game companies, uh, out there, like all household names that are using it. Um, and they test everything from like app icons to their app store screenshots, to the descriptions, even to the beginning of the game cycle where they're testing like just sketches and like characters that they're thinking about or their game name. So that's, that's a fascinating glimpse into just like what's coming down the pipeline. And even more exciting is when they test an app icon and you know, the one that is up there is losing because it's, and it's low performing. <laughs> that's why they're testing it. Then they exactly. saw the winning one and it's, Oh, validated. Right. So exactly. Those are really, but those are really cool. Cause like those are really big name games and to see that, we're providing value immediately to them is, is awesome. absolutely that's really cool. I mean, do you think that I think about all these different industries and how unique they are just in different capacities, like e-commerce is nowhere. I mean, it's somewhere similar to publishing a book, but then obviously e-gaming, you have different like concepts and ideas that you want to achieve from these different things. Yeah. What's, what's the, do you guys, do you feel personally, is there a missing vertical that you guys aren't touching on yet or that, you feel like there's a space that could use you guys. I personally think instantly, like maybe there's just so many of them out there, but political just in general, like, I don't know if that's something that you guys 
have dabbled in and talked about like that. I mean, especially in a year, like an election year. Yeah. I, I constantly am thinking like, how do you get insight onto what people respond to with so many different topics, ideas, you know, philosophies, things like that. What is that something that you guys have, or is there something that we're um, you know missing? A bit. I mean, I, it is really good for gauging consumer sentiment. And we do a lot of that for our general marketing and PR. Like we'll, we'll pull our audience to kind of see what, where the wind is blowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the difficult thing for for the political market is that uh, the larger market in politics would be kind of like local, smaller um, right. races as opposed to the large national. Um, and that would have like that would require a lot of hyper targeting geographically. Sure. And that's expensive. A for us. And you, yeah, you and I both know that means expensive and very, yeah. you know, hard to hard to get to for sure. Yeah. That's that's why we haven't pushed too hard into that, just because like that that hyper geo targeting isn't something that we can do right now. Uh, but yeah, definitely um, that's an interesting space. I would say that other segments, um, the the commonality between you know books and products and um, games is you know you're you've got a development cycle, right? Like you're you're working on something. You can use feedback early on to validate that idea, validate that concept. Then when you're marketing it you're typically, you've got some finished package, right? Some kind of branding or it's the book mm-hmm. or, the, or the, the actual product packaging or the app icon, all that kind of stuff. Uh, all of that needs testing. And then it's going to go into a marketplace, right? So whether it's Amazon or maybe it's a website that's going to go into Google search, right? The, these are all marketplaces that you need to gauge how you do against your competitors. And so I think almost any, any industry that kind of follows that arc. And so obviously like, uh, you know, just broadly more, you know, startups and, and other website uh, entrepreneurs. That's ironically, that's where we started. But I would say like that's a sm- the smallest segment of our population just because we haven't focused on marketing uh, directly into those spaces. And so uh, I think we found more value bringing this to uh, to the segments that don't have interesting tools for this kind of feedback. Right. Whereas sure. a lot of the tech companies, you know, maybe they homegrown something or, or they're they're trying all kinds of other things themselves. Uh, people in publishing or e-com, um, you know, I think they benefit more from having these kinds of tools. I was going to say, you're probably giving a voice to more people who who don't have something built for them, obviously. And that's where you guys found your niche at. That's yeah. so cool. So yeah. what, so maybe going off the path a little bit, what's a decision that you felt like you made or the company made that you just wish we could have lived our entire life without that? <laughs> I wouldn't well, call it a mistake, but you'd be like, yeah. you know what? We shouldn't have done that. That's a tough one. Uh, I don't know. I'm all, don't I'm all have... about the tough, hard-hitting questions here on crossover commerce. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I have any regrets uh, or, you know, I, I feel like uh, there are things that we probably could have done sooner, sooner, earlier in the life cycle. Um, I think it took us a while to, to kind of get our our voice, so to speak. And so it really wasn't until the end of last year or early this year that we started um, uh, marketing in a more unified fashion and kind of growing the team. And so I do wish that we had grown the team earlier. Um, It wasn't until 2020 that I think we grew from like three or four to like 10 now. And Mm -hmm. so it was, it was a big growing year for us. Uh, But I think if we had done that earlier, that that might have helped, you know, propel growth a little bit faster earlier. So I would say that I I wish we had done that. Um, makes sense. 
Awesome. Um, what would be, what's, what's a famous person or a famous maybe business person or individual or company that you were just kind of like starstruck when you met through becoming an entrepreneur over like all the time you've, you and John have been together. Have you guys met anyone that you did? I was going to say like, have you met anyone like famous? Have you met anyone like in the business world that you're like, you're just like, this, this was super cool that you looked at each other. Like, I can't believe we did this. Um, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not giving credit to the people I've met. So I'm sorry. <laughs> we were, we were looking for me, John, or we were looking for me, Justin. God. But I, I think what's cool is actually just meeting the customers that we have. And because some of them are, whether they're the game companies or, um, huge sellers, I mean, uh, we we've met some really large sellers and just to be a part of like, you know, their daily uh, work process and, and part of their lives is, is kind of fascinating. So, uh, you know, we, we had a conversation with a customer last week who huge, like, you know, top 15 in Amazon category in, in like uh, one of the categories there and just does so much volume and we're such an integrated part of his, uh, his process that it's, you know, that's humbling. Right. Um, right. And even Thrasio, like Thrasio is one of uh, one of our big customers as well. And and we've got a great testimonial from John, uh, one of their VPs there. And just hearing how they use it for all the different creative decisions at their company is is totally humbling. And and knowing that they're doing so well um, is it's great to be a part of that. That's awesome. So if you were to say in the next, like, obviously a pandemic kind of threw through a wrench in a lot of people's plans. Where would you say you would want to see PickFu be in the next, you know, three to five years? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think we are happy uh, just, you know, obviously dominating <laughs> dominating the segments that we're in. So uh, mobile gaming, we we want a much stronger presence in there. Uh, we want an even larger presence in uh, e-commerce more broadly. I think we're, we're kind of in the Amazon FBA conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. but we'd like to ex- expand that to anywhere that you're selling online. Um, I think there's a lot of the other marketplaces, um, not even marketplaces, but even just selling people selling direct, right? Like the brands who are selling on Shopify or, or their own mm-hmm. platforms, uh, they get a lot of value as well. So I think building PickFu's reputation in, in even just those two segments uh, would be a fantastic goal. Um, we'd like to see the team to grow, you know, probably double at least by then. Um, it's been, it's, uh, it's been very, uh, uh, humbling, I guess also like to, to be able to hire all these people and, um, you know, we run a very virtual team. So allowing people to kind of live where they want to live and have the work-life balance that we, uh, always strive for. Like John and I are both, uh, parents, we both have two kids. So, um, this is something that we've been doing for the past, you know, 10 years is having this work-life balance and being able to work on what you enjoy and being able to take care, take care of the kids at the same time. And we want to be able to empower other people to do that as well. So um, when we're recruiting, like that, that is a huge thing that we, uh, we like to emphasize is that like we do offer that balance and we want to grow in like a very organic, like sustainable pace, not, not a breakneck, like we're going to kill you with like 80 hours kind of thing. Exactly. But, uh, it's We're building for the long term for sure. That makes sense. So on a personal level, have you found like 
I know this is kind of unprecedented times. I keep referring to the pandemic, obviously. Um, I know I personally have found like family time more, you know, meaningful when my son is either here at home or, yeah. you know, they're in the e-learning or whatever that, yeah. you know, whatever is going on. Have, has anything like, do you think changed for the long run? Like just from going through something as crazy as a pandemic? Um, I don't know if anything's changed uh, in the long run. I mean, it's actually been nice because I think I've been more productive because I usually drove them to school. Yeah. <laughs> so my more car time. Yeah. So my, my, my longest commute actually was driving them to school, driving them back and then, you know, driving to pick them up and drive them back. And so now I don't have that commute, which is nice. So I could just start working earlier in the day. No kidding. Uh, yeah. So it's great. Great for me personally. I think the kids have, uh, you know, they've definitely become much more digitally savvy earlier than we probably wanted them to be, but, <laughs> But uh, but it's fine, you know. They're they're on G Chat and uh, using Google Calendar and all this kind of stuff. So it's, it's so, funny. soon you'll be yeah soon you'll be hiring them as coders and uh, oh, yeah. uh, designers and things like that. So I 100 agree with you. It's funny um, when they message me and tell them <laughs> tell them to they're like, hey dad, you know you got to cook lunch for us. It's like oh you can't come down and say it. you got to come in, you got to message me. <laughs> yeah, or email. It would be worse if they were emailing you instead of like actually messaging you. Yeah. That would be interesting for sure. What's um, I guess a couple of things. Do you miss anything uh, in a pandemic that you didn't think you would miss? I know mm. you said like I don't care about the commute, which I don't think anyone does. Do you think that you miss? You're missing anything really? I mean, I, th I think the thing that I miss the most is definitely in person networking. Um, sure. I. I think that was, uh, I think people always probably knew that they were going to miss it, but probably didn't realize how much just face-to-face mm -hmm. -face interaction was important because, you know, we have so much default face-to-face -face interaction um, in daily life that you could have, have a base level of that. But when we're so isolated and then you cut off like the ability to have like meetups and conferences and all that kind of stuff, it's just, it's hard. And uh, being able to build that same connection digitally, it's just, it's, it's doable. It's just not the same. Right. So I, I, would, I would agree with you. I, miss I don't think I, <laughs> I to get back to some kind of like, even if we're like in a hazmat suit, right? Like it, it's, it's still better. Hey, you never know. And, that, and that's the thing is what I was talking about. I haven't, I haven't met anyone from my team in person since I've been with it. And I've been with the company for over six months now. So it's, it's been super interesting. Like only seeing people digitally. I don't even know if people have bottom halves anymore. Like I only see the top halves. Right. So, uh, where, where can people learn more? I mean, obviously about PickFu, like what, where are you going for like your information? How do they get into contact with you? Like, obviously you have, we have so much to talk about, but I think that where, where do people go to learn more information about, you know, you or John or um, yeah. more about PickFu? Yeah. I mean, you could definitely go to PickFu.com, P-I-C-K-F-U.com. You can reach me at Justin at PickFu.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, two bit, Justin, T W O B I T Justin and, uh, on LinkedIn, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn as well. So any of those formats, uh, definitely happy to connect with people. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, and I think I would like, uh, for anyone, again, this is Ryan Kramer with crossover commerce. Um, we are here with Justin Chen. Uh, we're wrapping up here our episode with him. Uh, we've talked to Anthony Confrancesco. I'm one of the industry liaisons with the team. So if you want a more in-depth look at what the, the actual ins and outs, and you're like, what, what are you guys even talking about? We did a two-part series of the in-depth nature of what PickFu does yes. um, for e-commerce sellers. So definitely go and check that out on YouTube. Um, we're also posting these on Facebook. 
uh, LinkedIn, and any other social media site that, you know, with ping pong payments. And then we'll share this with um, the PickFu audience as well. But yeah. Justin, I, I want to thank you so much for jumping on today. I know we're kind of butting up on time and we're chatting a bunch about this beforehand and through messaging. Uh, I just love talking with interesting and very cool uh, backgrounded uh, people that, you know, no, I, I, I personally wasn't never thinking like I would be living in this kind of time period where I'm meeting people yeah. online yeah. or uh, in the industry that I'm in. But I, I, I super appreciate what you guys do for people. And I think that your service provides a lot of value and insight. Obviously, you don't want to just go with a gut feeling. That can only get you so far. Yeah. But your guys' service has definitely changed a lot of lives. So I definitely, I, I want to say, you know, congratulations on that. I'm excited to see where you guys go from there. Cool. Much appreciated. Yeah. Thanks for having me yeah. on. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for joining. Uh, we'll catch us next time as uh, we bring on more guests here to talk about anything and everything in commerce, hopefully leveling up, leveling up your knowledge. And uh, we'll catch you next time around. All right. Bye, everyone. All right. Thanks, Justin. Bye.